Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. The numbers told the story they always do. This is a numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSIN. One of those idiots who believe in analytics. It is a numbers game here on VSIN. I'm Jeff Parles in for Gil Alexander yet again. Happy to be with you here on a Thursday morning. Great show lined up here. We'll get to Robbie Calland in a second. Stephen Bond in my chair today. Good morning, Mr. Bond. Morning, Jeff. Thanks for having me fill in, bud. Of course. Well, it wasn't, wasn't my call. I'm just, ha- I'm just <laughs> I, happy I thought ha- you were pulling the strings. Oh, but. no. I just, I'm just happy to have someone here. <laughs> I, that's, that's really what it comes down to. But uh, you'll hear from Stephen throughout the show as well. But uh, let's dive right in. Robbie Callen of UpRocks.com with us right out of the gate here. And, uh, Robbie, thanks, as always, for being on with me here on the network. And I got to start with you were with me and Sean King on the nightcap during mm-hmm. the summer league and you warned me the Cleveland Browns are, pro- are don't trust them. Don't trust them. And yet here we are. The Browns are missing the playoffs again. Baker Mayfield mm-hmm. is, is all sorts of problems uh, going into this offseason injury wise. And you have an, a- an AFC North that was won by the Cincinnati Bengals of all teams this year. Now. Yeah. Um, look, as a, as a longtime Browns fan, I, I know when the hype's getting a little head of uh, ahead of the team, um, I didn't like, I didn't like Super Bowl buzz. I didn't like any of that. It just felt, uh, it felt so foreign to me. So honestly, this, this has been a borderline comforting year, just being <laughs> mad all the time at the Browns. Um, but yeah, man, like I, I, I could see this coming there. There just seems so many more likelihood scenario, likely scenarios where this happened than like the Super Bowl buzz happened. Um, and here we are and, uh, probably gonna have a new quarterback soon. So that's fun. Love to spin the roulette wheel again. Week 18 matchup, by the way, is that battle of Ohio, uh, Cincinnati sitting all their guys for the most part, COVID or, <laughs> or, uh, just getting ready for the playoffs. Case Keenum is going to start for the Browns. I'm not going to ask you to break that game down because I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to torture you anymore here, Robbie, but Thank I do want to look at the AFC playoff picture because the biggest thing with the current picture, let's say chalk prevails this weekend. So the chargers knock off the Raiders on Sunday night. The Titans handle their business, get the one seed. The Colts don't choke against Jacksonville and we get the current scenario that we have one through seven. Um, And and Robbie, just looking at the way these playoff teams are. So Tennessee, Kansas city, Cincinnati, Buffalo, new England, India, and the LA chargers. This feels like the most wide open bracket in an NFL playoffs for any conference that I can remember, are you feeling the same way that any of these seven could get to the, uh, get to the Super Bowl this year? I think the, the biggest 
the biggest hiccup is going to be if it ends up being Chargers Chiefs. It's really hard for me to see how the Chargers necessarily get past that matchup just because the familiarity is there for Kansas City to where they're going to know kind of how to scheme their way through that game, I think, and just like they know how to beat the Chargers, right? Like that's that's the kind of matchup where that's just a team that has another team's number and just historically, even with an improved Chargers team, I, I just don't see necessarily the path for them right now. Um, but everywhere else, absolutely. Like Bengals, Colts, that's going to be a really interesting matchup because that's what that's what we talk about: two clashing styles who can control pace, who can control that, and then Bills, Pats, like. That would be a pretty fun wild card weekend game um, to get that one. I know all my Bills fans friends would absolutely hate having to have that. <laughs> I don't think you would find a single Bills fan in the country who would be like, yeah, sweet wild card weekend, Bill Belichick. That's what we want to see. Uh, but I do agree because like you're talking about a one seed that people don't believe in, in the Titans. And you're talking about the teams we expected to be there in the chiefs and the bills at the very top, not looking like the dominant teams we expected. I, I think it, it, it is going to be some parody is going to be some fun. Um, but there are definitely a couple matchups in there uh, in, in, in the terms of divisional teams facing off again, that two of the teams would not be happy in the chargers and the bills having to, having to see those. Robbie, if it, it, let's say we get the scenario that we have right now, which, uh, of course, you brought up would be Bengals, Colts, and Patriots, Bills, which uh, Stephen Bond, our producer today, uh, Bills fan, uh, echoes exactly <laughs> what you said there. Uh, Robbie, uh, about, I do not want to see Bill. Yeah, I, I, can, I can tell you that right no, now. But... That is a nightmare scenario for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't, I, I, look, I, I don't blame you there, uh, Mr. Bond. Don't blame me at all. But, uh, Robbie, it, it, just looking at this here on the AFC side before we shift over to the NFC side, of course, Derrick Henry was put on the designated to return list. We saw him at practice for Tennessee. And this was the one scenario where if you bet the Titans throughout the year to win the AFC, all right, they get the one seed. Derrick Henry can come back. And guess what? They have to win two home games with with their full team again to make a Super Bowl. They're still 5-1 to one to win the AFC right now at BetMGM. That seems pretty clearly to me with now knowing that Henry's trending towards coming back for sure that that would be the way I would play it right now in the AFC. Yeah, I think, I think so. If, if for no other reason than like, I, I don't know how you trust any of these other teams other than I think the chiefs to show up for three straight weeks, right? Like, do, do you believe that any of these teams can get on track and put their best foot forward three straight weeks? The, now you get the Titans only having to do it for two. It's not that I think the Titans are necessarily the best bet to get three straight great weeks out of themselves but they only have to do it twice. I, I just think I don't trust any of these teams beyond Kansas city. And I think the value is gone there at, at 190 or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, I, 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 I would agree with you. I think just getting the one seed at five to one with getting healthy, with getting their guy back and they know how to win some playoff games. Like we've seen it. They've made AFC title games before. Um, I, 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 would, I would agree. I think that is that is the route to go if you're gonna if you're gonna take anything at this late stage. Robbie, let's move over to the NFC. Of course, Green Bay clinched the number one seed with their beat down of Minnesota on Sunday night, and then it's a whole bunch of question marks behind them. Uh, the Rams, despite Matthew Stafford looking like Jared Goff back to back games, have won both of their games and control their own destiny for the uh, number two seed and the NFC West crown. 
Dallas loses to Arizona. Tampa has all sorts of craziness going on around them right now, especially with uh, what is transpiring on social media with Antonio Brown this morning, which we don't have enough time to get into that. But, but, but Robbie, you look at this, even though, I, even though Green Bay is 13-3, and three, even though they're the one seed, even though they seem to be the most complete team, there's something I can't quite pinpoint that makes me not fully trust them to get through the NFC here. Is it just history? It's possible it's that. It may be that it's LeFleur, but I, I can't pinpoint it. It's been this whole week where, oh, Green Bay, I, I'm holding a big bloated ticket on Green Bay to win the NFC and win the Super Bowl during that five-day period where we thought Rodgers might retire. I got those tickets, but look, it's just one of those where they're pretty clearly the best team in the, in the conference, but, man, I'm not trusting them at the moment. I, I think part of it is, one, it's the history. One, it's we've seen them kind of fall apart. There isn't there isn't the mystique of Lambeau, I think, has kind of gone away with a couple of these playoff losses recently, particularly last year against the Bucs. Um, I'm sure there's still some just like that that game in particular, I think, is just weighing on a lot of people's minds, the way it ended, the way they kicked that field goal, how that kind of set in motion everything that you talked about with Aaron Rodgers this offseason. Uh, I, I think that kind of weighs in your mind. Plus, you go, okay, like, is this defense for real against the very best teams? You know, it is is there a hole to be poked in that um, if the Bucks get to them, uh, if one of these one of these good offenses get if if the Rams can kind of piece things back together and look like they did early in the season, could they be one of the teams that that does that? Um, so I I understand why you feel that way. I don't think the separation is is necessarily huge there. Um, but the NFC is is just kind of a mess. I mean, uh, like, do you trust Dallas to do anything? Do you trust Arizona to do anything? Like they said, the Rams, like there are so many teams that I think all year we've had on fraud watch, basically, that you just, you find a, you have a really hard time saying like, all right, this is, this is the team I'm going to hang my hat on as being the one to beat the pack aside from the Bucks. And like you said, they have a whole host of issues themselves right now. Well, and, and Robbie, the one team that I know some people are looking at and saying, oh, they're capable of San Francisco. But the problem for the Niners is if chalk prevails, they're done. Their season's over. They're out. They don't even make the playoffs uh, this week because a New Orleans win and a San Francisco loss would be enough. But even so, even if San Francisco pulled the small upset against the Rams this week, are we trusting a compromised Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance to win three straight road playoff games? No way for me. No. And I mean, that's, that's the thing you can find something in each of these teams. Like even the Packers, like you said, you can't really pinpoint why you don't trust them, but you just don't trust them. And and everybody else, you look at, at Tampa, it's like, do they have enough weapons at this point? Like losing Godwin, losing Brown, losing everybody they have. Do they have the firepower now to do what they need to do? Is Levante David going to come back and be the same player that he's been when he gets back from the playoffs? Cause that defense needs it badly. Um, the Rams, Stafford, that looms over oh, yeah. everything. Um, the Cowboys, the defense, can they not give up the big plays in the big moments? They are a boom or bust defense. You love some of the guys they have, but then you also have Trayvon Diggs who might pick you off twice in a game or might give up two 60-yard touchdowns. And then, like, the Cardinals, we've nobody's believed in them all year. And then – like, I don't think we need to really talk about the Eagles. No, no. The with, all, e- with all due respect. No, no, no I'm with you. Yeah, the Eagles, again, uh, surprising that they're even in this position right now. All right, Robbie, 
30 seconds here. One month from now, we're previewing what two teams in the Super Bowl. I'm going to go Chiefs-Packers. Okay. So, hopefully Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes are both able to play in a game finally since we've only had this matchup two times and neither game uh, had both of them. But Green Bay, of course, right now, the short shot, Kansas City, the second short shot. So you're going with a close to chalk as possible there, Robbie. Of course, he's Robbie Callen. You can get him on the tweets at our Callen. You can find his great work at uprocks.com as well. Robbie, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you, buddy. We'll uh, do it again soon. Yes, sir. All right. We'll talk to Robbie soon. And when we get back, we're going to look at the card for week 18. We're starting to get a clearer picture of what these teams are going to do. We'll discuss it next on a numbers game here on VSIN. I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Football season is here, and it's time to download BetMGM Sports. It is Nevada's premier sports betting app. BetMGM is all your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in the state of Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in the state of Nevada. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. It is a numbers game here on VSIN. I'm Jeff Parles. In for Gil Alexander. Happy to be with you. The first Thursday of 2022. I got one more day to say it's the first day of, of the year. Since, of course, uh, Saturday will be the 8th. Stephen Bond here as well in my chair today. Uh, let's dive into week 18. We've been trying to figure out what everyone's caring level will be in this week. And there are some games where it's starting to become clear. There are other games it's still clear as mud. 
One game where it's been clear the whole time is the first game of the weekend. Kansas City at Denver. And you know what? If the NFL didn't schedule this game in this slot, it would look a little bit different. Because if Kansas City was scheduled at the same time as Tennessee, you probably would see a scenario where if Tennessee got up big and it Kansas City probably be pulling their guys left and right. Because Kansas City really, they can peak at the one. They would need Tennessee, of course, to win that game. Or excuse me, Tennessee to lose that game to Houston, which would be a season sweep of the Titans by the Texans. Uh, Kansas City right now, 10-point favorites. You uh, you saw this on the look ahead where we didn't really know it was three, then vaulted up to nine, nine and a half, and now 10. And, and Stephen, this 10 is right to me. The 44 is right. Denver's a big old mess right now. You may be looking at the final game with Fick Vangio. You may be looking at Drew Locke playing for his NFL life at this point with the way these last two starts have really gone poorly for the second-round pick out of Missouri. But for KC, they need the game at 10. And one major contest in town, of course, put this at 10 and a half in the contest and so makes it a little harder to play than that one. But at 10, Stephen, I, I just... I can't take with Denver, and I probably will look to lay with Kansas City before this number gets out of control, which I would anticipate since it's a standalone Saturday game sure. that this game pushes across 10 to 10 and a half, maybe even 11 by kick. Well, Jeff, to your point, Kansas City still has something to play for. They're still seeding, right? And Denver, it's just don't get hurt, collect a check, and let's get the heck into the offseason <laughs> and figure out what's what, right? Ownership looks like it's going to change there in Denver, at least the possibility of it. Things are ramping up in, mm -hmm. in those discussions. So, yeah, if you're, if you're KC, still a lot on the line. 10 is still a big number in the NFL, though. I, if, if you had a play here, Jeff, and I'm curious your thoughts on this. Denver has hit the under 12 times this year. Yes, is that a direction you go in this game? It's it's baked into the number already, as we know. And and look, we talked about this, and, and this is something to look for for next week. And the Chargers kind of kind of bucked the trend a little bit last week, but 80% of Denver's starting defense had COVID last week. So it was a little bit different. But when Denver's been at full strength, ever since they pummeled the Cowboys, the opponent that they played the following week, and Warren Sharp had this a few weeks ago, uh, two weeks ago and going into week 16, that the following week, the team exceeded their projected team total by more than a touchdown. And Cincinnati, of course, was the team that we were talking about that week. They went in to play Baltimore. They put up 40-plus and Burrow through for over 500 yards. So it played out absolutely perfectly. But this is something to look at next week, especially with Denver getting some of the guys back from the COVID list for this Saturday game where, well, if Kansas City struggles to move the ball in this game, and then the next game, which chalk holds the chargers would be the opponent for the wild card weekend as much as i would love to bet the chargers the numbers would say after coming off a game against denver and of course what we saw kansas city do in the second half against the chargers uh of that thursday night game where everyone is still talking about brandon staley's fourth down decisions the decisions weren't wrong the variance just was bad in the end Kansas City's probably going to score a lot of points next week against the Chargers. So that's something to at least keep in mind, especially even if Kansas City covers, let's say they win the game 24-7 and they move, don't really move the ball that well. It's something to at least monitor for next week, that Denver's defense has been great for most of the year and opponents coming off playing them usually break out the following week.
So is that it, is something to look at for next week for Kansas City. Is there anything this week with, with Vic Vangio, maybe this is his last go-around, and, and the guys try to you know, I, I, put I don't, one in for Vic? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't, again, you don't know. You don't know if these coaches are beloved in their locker room or they're not liked in their locker room, That's regardless of what's said in, in public. So I don't know. I don't know. And again, you you brought up a good point. Like going into this offseason for Denver, the ownership ownership situation is a very is really the biggest story, even more than keeping their coach and who's going to play quarterback, because that dictates what you go, what you are moving forward. And George uh, George Payton, the new GM, is going to have a very Interesting offseason on his hands as well, especially with that uh, potential ownership change coming sooner rather than later. The other Saturday game's a little more difficult because we don't know what the Eagles are actually doing because they've had this big COVID outbreak early in the week. They already have a playoff berth clinched. They're either going to be the six or the seven, where it really doesn't matter actually what happens around them. More than likely, it doesn't matter if they're the six or the seven. Tampa Bay is going to be the opponent assuming the Bucks handle their business in uh, Week 18 against Carolina is more than a touchdown home favorite. Dallas is a seven-point road favorite here. Of course, Micah Parsons te- tested positive. He will be out for this game on the COVID-19 list. Steven, this is, this is just one of those go- games where it, it, you wait in-game and see what Philadelphia is actually doing here because if I were both of these teams, I don't think i play either of my guys if I'm either of them. Maybe you play for a half and then go from there. If you're Dallas, sure. coming off of a performance that was really lackluster against Arizona, and for Philly, I wouldn't bother, especially with guys going on the COVID list this week. Shut it down. Play your backups. If you lose, who cares? You're, you're, there's really no difference between the six and the seven. You're going to get Tampa anyway. I, of course, the difference would be if Somehow the six played the seven in the NFC championship game. Newsflash, not happening in the NFC this year. Uh, but but if you're Philadelphia, I, I would just pack it up and go and go ahead and get ready for wild card weekend, most likely against the Bucs. And also, too, we talked about this a little bit yesterday. Nick Sirianni's not getting the proper love in the coach of the year market. He's not. I don't think he is the coach of the year, but I think he's done a darn good job with this football team. I think they're starting to find that identity. They're looking at Baltimore and thinking, well, Jalen Hurts, maybe he's not the most accurate thrower of the football, but at least he can he can run the ball. And I will say, Jalen Hurts, the coolest, calmest guy you can ever imagine. <laughs> In particular, when the you know when the, the stadium, stadium breaks around, around falls him. apart, didn't even flinch. Didn't you know? Did uh, not a bead of sweat coming down his forehead. That's the kind of guy you want in the pocket, controlling things, controlling it in the two minute. I get that he's maybe not the most accurate guy, but the leadership this guy has shown, even in through college and now into the pros. I mean, I, I'm a Jalen Hurts fan. I'm not an Eagles fan, but I like Jalen Hurts. So I, I will say this uh, with, with Philadelphia. Again, I'm not, I don't buy Jalen Hurts as a long-term starter in this league. And that's part of the reason that I think if, if you're doing coach of the year voting, if I were voting, Sirianni's at worst third. Vrabel and Taylor would probably sneak ahead of him because Vrabel is going to get the number one seed without having Derrick Henry for I mean, half that's, the season. That's Incre- incredible. Incredible all the way around. Zach Taylor. Winning a division with a projected win total, six, five and a half in most books this year. But Sirianni, I, look, I had the Eagles as one of my best under bets. They blew through the six and a half, seven pretty easily. Uh, I, I, I don't think he's going to win. I agree with you, Stephen. I don't think he's going to win. But he has a much better claim than it's being made out to be, to be the NFL's coach of the year. And it'll be fascinating to see what Philadelphia does in this offseason because they're not close to being a real 
Super Bowl contender, but the fact that they're in the playoffs is a big unexpected start for a franchise that looked like they were starting over after last year's bad season and of course with firing Peterson in in a very non-ceremonious fashion uh, a year ago. Uh, Let's fit one more in here real quick. Uh, I just want to break down this scenario one more time because Jason Weingarten brought it up on the show yesterday. If the Indianapolis Colts lose to Jacksonville and the Pittsburgh Steelers beat Baltimore, the Chargers and the Raiders would need to play to a tie to both teams getting in the postseason, which, of course, if there is a result that isn't a tie, the loser is out. Again, I don't see I don't see a gentleman's agreement of, hey, we're just going to knee on the ball the whole time because I think the league would, would, would end up with massive fines to both teams. And the other key part of this, I don't think either team is good enough to play to like a 24-24 tie and, and, and basically play it straight up but still land on a tie. Neither of these teams are good enough in order to happen. It's a, it's a wild situation we've got. Oh, yeah. Eight. I mean, listen, it's oh, unprecedented. Yeah. We've got an 18th week, and now we're getting, you know, potentially an unprecedented circumstance. Yeah, we'll, we'll break down this game further. We'll, of course, we'll have Will Hill a little later in the program as well. We'll continue looking at week 18. Are there games that are really bettable? I think there are. We'll break them down next here on the Numbers Game on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. has a great new offer to help you make the make 2022 your best betting year ever our all new big game big dance special provides vcin plus all access to everything we do now through april 5th for just 69 dollars sign up now and get our daily best bet emails 24 7 video access the upcoming big game and college hoop betting guides plus full access to vcin.com with our exclusive betting splits breakdowns on every single game it's one of our most exciting betting seasons of the year. So so don't miss out and make sure you get in on one of our best deals of the year. Visit vcin.com slash big deal to sign up today. It is a numbers game here on vcin. I'm Jeff Parle. Stephen Bond with us as well today. Our guy, Will Hill, of course, our vcin contributor, New York City CityCast as well. Be with us in about 10 minutes time, but, uh, Mr. Bond, let's move. Let's continue on what we were talking about at the end of the last segment here in this segment here, and that's Indianapolis and Jacksonville, where again, the whole, is it safe to say that the whole playoff picture runs through this game in the AFC? Because if Indianapolis wins, it's, it, it's one game. It's easy. It's Sunday night, just down I-15 from us here at the South Point at Allegiant Stadium between the Chargers and the Raiders. If the Colts lose, that's when the craziness can start happening here. Because if Indy loses, then technically the winner at Pittsburgh and Baltimore would still be alive. Even if Baltimore wins, Baltimore would still be alive. Granted, they would need Miami to lose as well, on top of the Raiders beating the Chargers to get in. It's all Baltimore needs to happen to make the playoffs. Uh, (laughs) A couple of things. A few things. Uh, The Steelers, again, as we said, would be a Colts loss, a Pittsburgh win, and a winner in the Chargers and Raider game. Doesn't matter who wins, Pittsburgh would get in in that scenario. For Indianapolis, though, Stephen, and, and we, we talked about this a little yesterday, and we're going to continue it here. 
they have been shockingly bad against Jacksonville in recent years. They have only won in Jacksonville once since 2014. Of course, last year, if you remember, week one, Jacksonville's sole win of 2020 came at home against Indianapolis in Philip Rivers' debut, which then caused all of us to say, oh, here we go again with Philip Rivers. He's going to be in the uh, eternal Philip Rivers moment, down four or six with under a minute to go, and no timeouts at his own at his own 22-yard line. But look, uh, for Indy, though, last week's loss, Stephen, and, and I'm a little frustrated with myself from a handicapping perspective where even though the Raiders really had struggled to move the ball without Darren Waller, they had found ways to win against teams. Let's face it, they probably should have lost the game to Nick Mullins in Cleveland. Found a way to get it done at the end. Against Denver, they didn't play great, but they still found a way to get it done. And then last week, they probably played their best offensive game since, not probably, they did play their best offensive game since beating Dallas on Thanksgiving. And lo and behold, they win at Indy. And for Indy, I know Carson Wentz cleared through protocol. Carson Wentz was clearly still feeling the effects of, of, of his COVID positive test in that game on Sunday against the Raiders. I think if you're the Colts, if you're a Colts fan, you love your head coach in Frank Reich. You obviously love your running back who should be in the MVP discussion, right? You yep. love your offensive line. But in the playoffs, it comes down to coach and quarterback. And I just, I don't know how you can trust this guy. The Colts historically, right, over the last couple of years are 1-11-1 against the spread against Jacksonville. So they're laying Impressive. a big number here. You're seeing, you're seeing 16 here. For this week, I don't know how you can possibly take Indianapolis. I don't know. I just, when I hear a number like that, when I hear a stat like that, I automatically want to just go lay it or, or take the points rather with Jacksonville. So, so I'll counter that with Jacksonville real quick because – them and the Giants are pretty clearly 31 and 32 at this point. That just, <laughs> just, show, just shows how bad the Giants have become, that they're even in, that they're not even in the, oh, the Jets discussion. They're in the Jacksonville discussion of how bad things have gotten for the New York football Giants. But, look, I, the only thing that I'll say with Jacksonville is they have managed to get worse since firing Urban Meyer, which should have not been possible. They, they of course, got beat at home by Davis Mills and the Texans and still the most hilarious line move I've ever seen in an NFL game where it went from a field goal to six and a half because they fired the coach. The steam lost on that one. They lost to the Jets where in a game they, they had a chance to win, but Lawrence, whatever reason, spiked the ball on third and goal at the one yard line and eliminated a play. And then of course they didn't even line up right in the fourth down play. And then last week they give up 50 to New England. And look, look like they don't even want to be playing their games, which, quite frankly, I don't blame them if they want this season to just They, they want to hit the golf course. It's been a misery yet again for them. But I do agree with you here. 16 on the road with a team where Indianapolis, if you remember earlier in the year, Indianapolis was up, was up two scores against Jacksonville early in the game at Lucas Oil Stadium and did not cover. And Jacksonville actually had a chance to drive and win the game late Lawrence, of course, fumbled, and Indianapolis held on to win the game. But Jacksonville did play them tough earlier in the year. Now, I'm not saying go run to the window and take Jacksonville, but it's easy to at least eliminate Indy as a 16-point favorite here on the road. And, of course, remember, Jacksonville, as a 16-and-a-half-point underdog, did beat Buffalo at home earlier this year, which is still— Thanks for reminding me. Yeah, sorry, Stephen. Hey, it ended up not, <laughs> ma ended up not mattering. They're still probably going to win the division anyway. But, man— 
I, it's just a tough one. The under at 44 is interesting. The only problem that I would have with betting that under is that Jacksonville just decides to not show up and Indy scores 42 on their own. And you're asking Jacksonville to get shut out. Jeff, does the money line, does Jacksonville money line at plus 750 no. tempt you at all? No. no? Now, the only thing okay. I would do is what Jason Weingarten said. If I were in a newer jurisdiction and the numbers worked out, I would consider putting pizza money on a Jacksonville and Las Vegas Raiders Chargers tie for plus, geez, like plus uh, 300 to 1, 400 to 1, something crazy high like that, maybe even higher. I'm probably shortchanging. I got to check my numbers again during the break to get that exact number, what it was yesterday. But no, I, I don't think, I don't, I would not be surprised if Indy has to get a stop at the end to hold on, but I would be surprised that they manage to blow this game. Uh, the other the other AFC South game, because Tennessee needs a win to hold to get the number one seed. Tennessee's a 10-point favorite at Houston. Of course, remember, Houston went to Tennessee and won. Granted, Ryan Tannehill turned it over five times. It was a miserable performance at the peak of the injuries for Tennessee. There was no Henry, no Jones, no Brown in that game for the Tennessee Titans. Couldn't move the balls in the slop as well. That was a rainy day in Music City. Steven, uh, the, the Texans, in all honesty, the, until the second half against San Francisco, they'd actually played two and a half reasonable games in a row where they played very well against Jacksonville. They were great offensively against the Chargers. Mills looked like a real NFL player in that game. And in the first half against San Francisco, they really, I think that more had to do with Lance and the game seemingly going too fast for him in the first half. But Houston, at least defensively, played very well for a half. Granted, the second half was a disaster, and they somehow didn't cover any numbers in that game, despite covering for 59 minutes against Houston or against San Francisco. But, Stephen, I just, if you're Tennessee, now that you have A.J. Brown back, now that at least the replacement running backs, Foreman and Hilliard have at least looked pretty darn solid the last two weeks now. Derrick Henry's back at practice. I have a hard time envisioning Tennessee blowing two games in one season to this horrible Houston team. I know it's a lot of points on the road at 10. Sure. It's kind of the same scenario as Kansas City. But I would feel comfortable laying 10 in this spot with Tennessee on the road with them handling their business quite easily. And Houston, again, they play two and a half good games in a row. It's time for them to regress back to what they've been all year. You know, Jeff, I, I'm in agreement with you. I, I think if you're Tennessee, you get a little juice just seeing Derrick Henry back in pads, right? I think Davis Mills is a fine quarterback. I, I think he can be an NFL-caliber quarterback with the right coaching. You see what coaching did for Josh Allen. I'm a little biased, obviously, as a Bills fan, but you see what coaching did for him. I, just in terms of this game, though, and speaking of coaching, you trust Vrabel way more. And, and you know Vrabel has been carrying this team for weeks now. He's got him where he wants him to be. This is a very dangerous team that is getting healthy at the right time. This is sort of a, hey, let's clean things up. Make sure we make a statement going into the postseason. I, if, if I'm Vabral, that's the way I'm, I'm looking at this game. So I have no problem. Same as you. I, I would lay the 10. By the way, uh, Stephen, back to the, Jag, the Jags win, Raiders and Chargers tie scenario. One of our listeners, John B., just tweeted at me his ticket. A... Uh, it's only five. It's only uh, five hundred to one. Hell, it's only five hundred to one. I bet MGM <laughs> right now. If you did that between the Chargers uh, and Raiders tying in Jacksonville, I knew it was a big number. I just couldn't remember how big it was. But at, based off what the payouts should be, it probably should be five hundred to one. And quite frankly, probably should be a little bit larger. But hey, 
Those are worth the lottery tickets this week. That's worth pizza money. It's I really get do weird. think so. Hey, it's going to get weird. If Jacksonville somehow wins, you could get some really weird stuff. I would also throw Pittsburgh in there as well because you need Pittsburgh to win in order to get that tie scenario to really come about. Will Hill, New York City cast. You also see him a lot on the network as a contributor for us here at VEASAN. He's going to join us next. What is he like in week 18? You'll find out on the numbers game next here on VSIN. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. MGM welcomes you with a special offer on the NBA. Simply place a $10 money line wager on any game, and if either team hits a three-pointer, you'll win $200 in free bets. Regardless of your bet's outcome, just use the bonus code VSIN200 when you make your first bet. Plus, you'll earn M Life rewards that can be redeemed for rooms and dining at any MGM resort. BetMGM is a proud Authorized gaming partner of the NBA. Download the app or go to betmgm.com and use the bonus code VSIN200 to win $200 in free bets if a three-pointer is made in the game you wager on. The promotional offer not available in Mississippi or Nevada. It is a numbers game here on VSIN. I'm Jeff Parlson for Gil Alexander this week. And now with us, a contributor here at the network and, of course, the host of the New York City cast as well, Will Hill, with us right now. Will, good morning. Look at snazzy as always, Will. And uh, let's just dive right into week 18. And Stephen and I were talking about the Texans and the Titans game in the last segment. You're looking at the dog here in this one. Yeah, believe it or not, I know the Titans are going to be the one seed and Gil's not here, so we can say bad stuff about the Titans <laughs> without any repercussions. To me, they're just like an average team. You know, they're 5.1 yards per play on offense. They've allowed 5.3 yards per play on defense. 
Uh, the Texans beat him the last time, 22 to 13. Uh, uh, Mills and the Texans have played a, a little better the second half of this year. So uh, to me, 10 is just way too many on the road. I'm sure the Titans will find a way to get a win. Uh, look, if you if you want to put the Titans in your money line parlays, I, I would think the Titans get it done. But uh, to me, these games are always close between these two teams. 10 is way too many. Give me the Texans here. Will, uh, the uh, the other AFC South matchup uh, we, we talked about as well, of course, we have that wackadoo scenario where if Jacksonville wins and Pittsburgh wins that you could be looking at the Raiders and the Chargers potentially playing for the tie on Sunday night. But Jacksonville is one of the biggest underdogs on the board this week, 16 points. The Colts haven't won in Duval since 2014. They have or one cover in their last 15 games against Jacksonville, too. Uh, Will, I, I don't think Indy blows this game, but I think you and I are in agreement on what side spread-wise we're looking here. Yeah, again, way too many points. Now, look, the Jags, they got they were down 50-3 to three at one point last week, so uh, there's a chance to always look bad when you bet the Jags, but to me, Wentz has not played great. You know he can turn it over, and look, these games have been close. This game was 23-17 early in the year, and that's with uh, Indy blocking a punt for a touchdown. Uh, last year, same scenario where the Colts needed to beat the Jags to get in. That was in Indianapolis. That game is 20 to 14 late. That's with Mike Glennon starting for the Jags, and the Jags had the ball late in that game. Uh, Colts get the ball back, score a touchdown, and pull away. Don't actually cover it. I think that the spread was similar, 15 and a half, 16. So, like you mentioned, this has been a house of horrors for Indy. They haven't won there since 2014. Uh, again, way too many points. And look, if if the Colts have a 10 point lead late, they're not going to go for style points. They're probably going to, you know, if they win, they're going to have to either play Saturday or Sunday. Uh, so they're not going to go for style points here. Probably just three runs and a punt. Get out of here. Protect Wentz. Uh, to me, too many points. Give me the Jags here. It's one of those games that it wouldn't shock me if it lands like 17-3. Just one of these sloppy games where you, you cover pretty easily just because no one's really doing anything. So uh, I like the under in that game as well. But as we know, Jacksonville could give up 50 to anyone, Will. Yeah, look, I, I'm tempted. I'm so tempted by that Jags money line. Look, I think the Colts will probably win, but I think it's plus 750 on the it money is. line. Wentz has been shaky coming back from COVID. Who knows? It, would you be shocked if, you you know, the first score you see in that game is, oh, look, it's 10 nothing Jags. Wentz is throwing a couple interceptions, and it gets hairy there. Sometimes these teams that have everything to play for versus teams that have nothing to play for, uh, the team that has nothing to play for can play loose. They can fake a punt. They can throw it deep. These teams that are playing to get in can come out tight. I mean, this is this would be a terrible loss for the Colts. Now, obviously, look, 16-point favorite, minus 1,200 on the money line. It's unlikely, but, man, to, to finish their season, we all penciled them, penciled them into the playoffs. If they finish their season by losing to the Raiders at home as 9-point favorites and losing as 16-point favorites, that's a, as bad about as bad as it gets here for the Colts. So uh, maybe they're a little tight here on Sunday. Oh, 100%. It would be a, be a pretty epic collapse if they manage to blow this one on top of what they did last week against the Raiders uh, another game with playoff implications and it feels like this game's kind of sliding under the radar because everyone's eyes in the NFC are on the LA San Francisco matchup but all New Orleans has to do is go to Atlanta and win but will four and a half points is the line the Saints of course the favorite on the road and we already saw Atlanta earlier in the year go to the Superdome and beat this team yeah, and again, that's a big part of my cap is they always play well. Even the Breeze teams that were really good Saints teams, this is a weird rivalry. These games are always close. Uh, Atlanta can't run the ball. That's the one thing the Saints take away is the run game. So to me, this is a field goal game at best. The Saints with that quarterback situation, I don't think should be laying that four and a half to anybody on the road pretty much. Uh, to me, it's a field goal game. I give Atlanta a decent shot to win it. Like you mentioned, Atlanta beat them earlier in the year. 
Uh, the 49ers might have, have a scenario where they only have to win to get in. If the Saints lose, the 49ers are in. Mm -hmm. So, uh, to me, this is down to the wire. I give Atlanta. To me, it's a coin flip game. Give me the points here uh, with the Falcons. Let's go to San Francisco and the Rams. We saw this open six, now down to four and a half in most spots. Niners taking money. We're still not certain of who's getting getting the ball for the Niners uh, quarterbacking-wise this week, but th does that matter to you at this point if it's a, a, a Garoppolo who's compromised with that thumb or Lance? Does that even matter to you if you're betting the Niners? I'd still prefer Garoppolo. Now, look, if it's the Garoppolo we saw two weeks ago on Thursday night throwing the ball all over the field against the Titans, you know, basically hitting cheerleaders in the head with passes, then I don't want any part of Garoppolo. But... Look, he can control the offense. This is a, a matchup the 49ers have absolutely dominated. They've beaten them five in a row. For whatever reason, Shanahan does really well against McVay. And I just can't leave four and a half with Stafford. He has been so bad. Now, I, I've won, I know they've won a few games in a row here. He was dying to give that Ravens game away. He was dying to give the Minnesota game away. Mm -hmm. He threw three interceptions, two of them inside his own 10. Uh, luckily, somehow he got away with it. But uh, this, this Rams offense really has not been the same the second half of the year. 49ers playing for their lives. So this is a situation where I will take the motivation. And look, the 49ers, this is one team that I think is live. I think if the Saints get in, I know they've done well against the Packers and the, and the Bucks. Uh, I don't know that they can really beat anybody. The 49ers, if they get in and they're on their A game, they can beat just about anybody, including Green Bay. They've matched up really, really well against Green Bay. They've run the ball on them. They can rush the passer. So uh, kind of rooting for San Fran to get in as well, just because I think it does make for a better playoffs. I, I agree with you on that, uh, on that fact, because... If it's Philadelphia and New Orleans as those two wild cards, you really have two teams that aren't really capable of beating anyone. With San Francisco, like you said, if they're if they're on, them making the Super Bowl wouldn't be totally out of the question, even though three road games with Garoppolo or Lance would look a little difficult uh, there, Will. But I want to shift over to the AFC real quick because uh, as it looks now, let's assume the Chargers beat the Raiders and get in as the seventh playoff seed. Can you remember an AFC or really any conference that seems to be as wide open as the AFC looks at this moment, Will? Yeah, I'd probably have to go through year by year. Some I feel like in the mid-2000s, it got crazy where some of these teams kind of came out of nowhere. Pittsburgh, remember one year, they were the sixth seed. They won three road games mm -hmm. and then won the Super Bowl. So, I mean, I, I can't remember. We're all always a, a prisoner of the moment, but your point is well taken. The Titans at, at the top, we don't really trust, but... The, the Chargers all the way at the seventh seed, you know, could beat anybody. And that would be a bad matchup for the Chiefs. Look, uh, the Chiefs, they'd be favored in the game, obviously. They'd probably be favored over any of these teams. But the Chiefs just had, you know, had three different 14-point leads against the Titans. All they need to do is win that game and beat the lowly Broncos. And they're the one seed. They don't have to play wild card weekend. They get two home games. They can go to the Super Bowl. Now they're in a situation where they got to win three games to go to the Super Bowl. And they got to play wild card weekend. They might have to play the Chargers, who beat them once, could have beaten them twice. Uh, yeah, like you said, all these matchups are great. I mean, we could have a scenario where it's Colts, Bills, Patriots, Bengals would be fun. I mean, that would be a situation where, you know, the Bengals would either win their first playoff game in 30 years or we'd have Belichick, uh, you know, without Brady here, two games away from the Super Bowl. So the storylines are great. All the teams are pretty good. I I'm actually really excited for the playoffs. I think the, the talent overall this year, like watching the Monday night game, I think the talent is way down in the league. There's a lot of bad teams. Look, I, I watch the Jets and the Giants every week doing the city cast, but uh, I think the playoffs are going to be absolutely awesome. Well, you deserve a medal for watching both of those teams every week for, for, for the city cast, even though actually, well, I'll just fire this at you real quick since we have a minute. Are the Giants the worst team going into the offseason from what we saw these last few weeks? Like just how I think bad so. has I mean, gotten it? 
Yeah, I mean, you, you look at the offense, they would actually be more productive if they just took the snap and, and threw it into the ground and spiked it every <laughs> down. When you take into account negative plays, it's so bad. Now, look, they got a decent defense. They got two top 10 picks. I can't imagine they would keep the coach, especially after the other day, the way they finished the season. But, yeah, I think uh, them versus the Jags on a neutral field would be the only one where they may be favored. But with Fromm, with Glennon, I don't think they could be favored over anybody. I think the Giants are the worst team in the league. No, I, uh, you, you, and I, you and I agree, uh, especially where – they made a Matt Nagy Chicago team look good last oh. week, which is basically an impossible feat at this point. Giants are a touchdown dog at home against Washington. It was nothing to play for this week. That just shows how bad it's gotten for the New York Giants. Uh, of course, he's Will Hill. Get him on the tweets at not the Will Hill. Of course, go go listen to the New York City cast. It's a great listen every single day. Will, it's a pleasure to talk to you as always, and we'll, we'll do it again soon. All right, Jeff, you're killing it, filling in. Hopefully we don't have a, uh, a Wally Pip situation here. You're doing a good job. Appreciate it, man. Th- thank you, Will. Uh, I-, I don't think I could ever Wally Pip kill, though. I don't think I could ever do that. So, uh, But thanks, as always, for uh, Will for joining. And uh, when we get back, we're going to continue on in Week 18 of the National Football League here on VEASAN. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today.